0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on SportsNet 590, the fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors. Avoid elimination, avoid the sweep, winning by a score of 110 to 102 over the Philadelphia 76ers in game four. And um, that that is the type of response I was looking for. You know, when you thought about game three and how devastating that ending was and how close the Raptors were to winning that game. I think the mood, from, and I know for myself, the mood was, damn, we missed it. That's our chance. It's over. You know, I can't believe we played that good, and then they still beat us. right? And then, of course, Embiid with the shot, it's like this and that and hard. And all this stuff. And then you thought about the next day, and like myself, I thought about the next day, and I was like, well, we did play them a lot tighter, right? Like, did we not play Tobias Harris a lot better? Did we not play Tyrese Maxey a lot better? Did we not make real progress, and are we not actually competitive again? Because if that's really all you're looking at, you made good strides. And you come out for game four, you know, you make a couple more tweaks and you keep getting back and back and closer and closer, and then you get this game. Then you get this game, which the Raptors led for most of the night. It was tight once again. I would say the Sixers were annoyingly close. You got to give them credit. They know how to draw a foul each time um, uh, (laughs) they come down. And, you know, it's just like when you thought, okay, Raptors are going on a run here. James Harden will hook somebody's arm and get to the free throw line. It's like, listen, I'm not even trying to slander them. Like, that is actually just really good basketball, knowing how to stop a run. They stop runs all the time, and that's why the Raptors couldn't pull away with this one. But it always felt like the Raptors were going to win this game. They outplayed them in the first half, and they outplayed them in the second half. And really, you have to give so much credit to Pascal Siakam. So, so much credit to Pascal Siakam. Listen, everybody was critical of Pascal Siakam. I'm sure Pascal Siakam was critical of himself and his own performance in that game, right? Because game four, lots of chances not taken. Opportunities weren't there. Second half didn't have a field goal. Um, You know, it just wasn't good enough from him. And quite frankly, you didn't even see him enough in, in terms of just what he means to this team. This game is an example of what Pascal Siakam means to this team, which, by the way, Pascal Siakam, Carrying the Raptors, 34 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, 2 blocks, 10 of 19 from the field. Got to the free throw line 15 times, 13 of 15. Probably could have gotten there 20 times just based on the fact that he was just hacked and slapped. And the amount of contact against him is hilarious. Um, But still, Pascal Siakam carried the Raptors. And the mentality was there from the jump, right? First three scores for the Raptors, first six points were all by Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam gets Joel Embiid on a switch, takes the jumper, and knocks it down. Long two, but again, not showing that fear of Pascal, of uh, Joel Embiid, who had been very good guarding him, right? Then you got Pascal driving, scoring over Tyrese Maxey. The help comes late. Pascal shoots it anyway. Scores it, no problem. Then Pascal drives. Danny Green has to take the foul in transition. Like, that's the mentality that was there. Then later on, Pascal Siakam, mid-range, over and beat. Like, he was going at these guys. He was just going at them. And that's what you want to see. This is his team. This is his team. I know it's like him and Fred and whatever. It's Pascal's team. Especially in this series, it's Pascal's team. Guess what? The Sixers don't have that natural defender put against Pascal Siakam. I thought Tobias Harris is playing like the best basketball I've ever seen from Tobias Harris, especially with the physicality that he's delivering on the defensive end. And listen, if you want to allow that defensive um, play, if you want to allow that physicality, I'm okay with it, as long as it's called the same way both ways, right? But in any case... Tobias is trying to like, bully Pascal and keep him in front and be handsy and, and hand-checking at him and slapping the ball. In order, Pascal just kept coming back, man. He just kept going. And that's the thing. I want to see this. If, you wanna, if you're going to go down anyway in this series, and listen, the Raptors still face really long odds at 3-1. You have to just take this approach, attack, 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 and your main guy was there for you tonight. I'm so proud of the way Pascal Siakam attacked, and I'm so proud of the way he responded to that game. Because, listen, did we not all have doubts after game three? Did we not all think, oh, man, here we go again? Did we not all look at it like, well, this is a repeat of this and this and this and this and the, the not rolling and all this stuff? You know what? I'm sure that, that stuff was very annoying to hear for Pascal, but probably the most annoying part was him not playing up to his potential. You know how good he is. We've seen it all season. This is the reason why we were caping for him for All-NBA. Uh, this is the reason why the Raptors even got to a position where they got into the fifth seed and avoided the play-in. Pascal Siakam, once healthy, has taken his game to another level, and we didn't see it in games one and two, to the degree that we needed to. He had good games, efficient games, but not enough of an impact. Game three, definitely not enough of an impact, and he got called out for it, but this game deserves all the plaudits for it because he beat the Sixers down. And listen, this is not an easy opponent to play against the Sixers. You understand, right? Like, first up, even if you want to say Tobias Harris is not that good of a defender, quite frankly, in this series, I've seen him be a very good defender, okay? But physical, getting into Pascal, and then once you beat that, you have Joel Embiid lurking on the weak side, and, and he's always there to block your shot and be a threat in the pain and this and that and all that, whatever, right? Joel Embiid's Joel Embiid. But that doesn't matter, especially in the playoffs. You're only going to play good teams in the playoffs. Unless you face Utah, apparently. But, like, you know, you just have to keep going and keep attacking. If you're the number one guy, if you set that tone of I'm going to go, I'm going to attack, I'm not going to be afraid of who's on that side, then the rest of the team will follow you. And that's exactly what happened here. The The Raptors didn't shoot the three well, right? They shot eight of 34 from the field, from three. I mean, like, this was they only had 19 assists as a team, um, but they got the job done. And that's largely because of Pascal Siakam as the number one option. And it just goes to show, like you can't in a playoff moment. I know so much, like gets determined from game to game. There's so much analysis, so much emotion, and quite frankly, there there are so many situations where you want to read more than what it is. But listen, sometimes it is just a play. Sometimes it is just a game. Sometimes it is just a moment that is not taken. But as long as you still have games left in the series, you have more chances to come back. And that's what Pascal did. And listen, that's what the Raptors as a whole did. Because just like in Game 3, which the Raptors really should have won, the Raptors played the Sixers beautifully from start to finish. Really, really good on that end. And I would say the Raptors could have even walked away with this game and, 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 and even blown them out had they even hit a regular share of their threes. right? Because eight of 34 from three tons of open looks OG and we've been praising him from game to game he has an off night one of seven from three although a big three in the fourth quarter there really got the Raptors some separation you know you got Gary Trent shooting three of ten you got some of four from Scotty Barnes who had an odd game but definitely a lot went into it um, but you know the process was there. The Raptors were pulling pressure in the paint. They were getting open threes or getting on transition. Like Lots of good things are starting to happen. Now, of course, the Raptors might go into game five. The Sixers might have an amazing game, and they might roll over the Raptors, and this might all be moot, but it's not. You have to look at it from game to game. The Raptors improved from game one to game two, right? They lost both of them i 'm not competitive to both of them that 's fine, but they made improvements then game three they definitely made improvements, but they didn 't close it out and that 's on them. This series should be two two right now and if it was two two right now, just imagine the pressure on the game right But you come in in game four and that 's the mentality. I love it, man because you know how easy it is for teams to just roll over in game when you're already down 3-0, you're thinking about, well, you know, vacation can start next week, well, you know, like this and that, and it's like well, you know, do I really want to get on a flight to Philly and do this all over again, Well, you know, like you know, no team has ever come back from 3-0 I get that, but every single game is a chance to win, right? Like, that's the whole point of what you're doing here, It's the whole point of what you work towards in life as professional athletes, so get out there and show your worth and show your potential and that's exactly what happened, man, these guys play great it's, it's just the Sixers like, I know they've been playing really well. I, I'm, I've been giving them tons of credit. They deserve tons of credit. They've been playing great. It's just the Sixers. You can do this. You can get a game off of them. If you can get one game off of them, you get another game off of them. You just keep the momentum rolling. Put that pressure on them. Because you see what the Sixers look like when you put some pressure on them, right? You see Joel Embiid, how frustrated he was over the course of this game, how frustrated he was with the officials. At the end of the game, Joel Embiid went over to the three refs, the final buzzer sounded. Right, the, the, the both teams had emptied their benches. So Embiid was coming over from the bench, not on the court, and he made sure to go into every ref and clap in their faces, clap right in their faces, saying, "Good job, guys! Way to win the game for the Raptors." But wait, hold on. What was it? What was it, What did Joel Embiid say to Nick Nurse the other day? Respectfully. Stop complaining about calls. Let's just let's just leave the radio friendly version of that in there, right? Stop, you know. Beeping about calls? I, I, what's that? Applauding after the game. Very brave. Very brave. You know, because what? You didn't want to get his second technical? By the way, he was lucky to get it with the technical because towards the end there, Pascal Siakam just kind of called a timeout. Three minutes left. Very clear. He was going to call a timeout. And Joel Embiid just comes over and tackles him on some Pat, Be- Pat Beverly versus Russell Westbrook type of thing. Right? Not nearly as dramatic. Not going for the knees. The one time Joel Embiid didn't dive. Was that? Was what's that? Was that a little frustration just because you lose one game? Not like, hey, let's come on, let's calm down. Okay, Six Raptors played really well. We're gonna get them in five in Philly, right? No, none of that composure. It was like, no, I'm gonna flip it out the refs. I'm gonna flip it out Pascal because he's outplaying me. And what? Is is that the mentality? Okay, I like that because you know what? Keep going for the Raptors. Keep going. Finally, you could put a little bit of pressure on the Sixers. I'm not gonna say the Sixers are not favored. Of course they're favorite. They're going home for a Game Five they'll probably win this series. That's how they should feel. And when the Raptors are up, then they will probably feel a little bit confused. Like, why are we down? Why are we down? And you know what? The last two games here, the Raptors have really shown what they can do. Should be 2-2, like I said. But a lot of good adjustments in this one. I think first off, the number one thing is um, the Raptors made some really, really hard decisions. Number one, Fred VanVleet went down with a hip pointer injury. Now, I saw Fred on the bench using that little like massage gun on his hip for a couple timeouts, and then in the second quarter there, he, I don't even, I didn't fully even see the play, but I saw him walking up the court. He ripped his jersey, and I was like, damn, this is really bad. And I was like, well, it could just be frustration. And, you know, sometimes, you know, things don't go well. You rip your jersey, whatever, and you come back and with a fresh jersey, whatever, right? I'm sure they got tons of Freds in the back. Um, but he ended up not returning for the rest of the half. You know, players come back out after halftime for warm-ups. Fred's not there. He's not on the bench. And turns out he was ruled out for the game. And now he's going to get some imaging right now. We'll see what happens with his hip. But Fred going down really allowed the Raptors to pivot in another way, which was to go to their 6-9 lineups. And that is the core identity of this team. That's what makes the Raptors so successful. With all due respect to Fred, he is also another driver of the Raptors' success. Pivotal player. But let's be real. With the hip pointer now, with the knee, there are things that Fred was not doing out there that you can now replace him and and, and change and go to a different look. And the Raptors in the second half, first off, they made two subs, right? So no Ken Burch starting. He started the first six minutes, didn't play the rest of the game. Fred VanVleet went down with injury, so they had to replace two guys in the starting five. They brought in Precious Achua, and they started Scotty Barnes. And when you look at their rotations in the second half, you had your starters, Pascal at 6'9", you have O.J. Anobi at 6'8", you got Precious Achua at 6'9". You got Gary Trent Jr. at 6'5". as the smallest player on the floor. And you got Scotty Barnes at 6'9". And then off the bench, you have Thad Young at 6'8". And you have Chris Boucher at 6'11". That's it. Those are your seven guys in the rotation. I know other guys gotten a little garbage time at the end. That's cool. But, like, though, that was your rotation. No more Malachi. No more, no more Fred. You know what? Those are the two smallest players. You didn't play them at all. You, you went from earlier games where Fred and Malachi were playing together. I didn't know what that was about, Right. Um, and you take out Ken Burge, who's your least mobile player, and you go with that group, and the Sixers struggled to score. Now, the Sixers struggled to score even with Fred in the game earlier. So it's not like Fred take, take him out of the game, the defense changed. But a couple of things definitely changed when you watched how the game was played out. Number one, Tyrese Maxey isn't getting the separation to shoot. He's not getting the threes to, to shoot first off, for, uh, you know, um, and when he's attacking closeouts, yes, he can still score some, but the Raptors are showing him length. He's having to beat a taller defender. He's having to shoot over a taller defender, and there is more help at the basket. They're doing a better job on Tyrese, uh Maxey. Tobias Harris, i got to give him tons of credit. He's playing amazing in this series. He had 15-11 and 11 today, and it's just 15-11, and 11, but it felt so impactful. So many times he's, like, one-on-one scoring over bigger def- Like, there's a play in the fourth quarter where he was one-on-one against O.J. Ananobi bodied him, pushed them aside, and got separation for the little short jumper, and he made it. And I was like, damn, a lot of star players can't even do that to OG. So I give Tobias a lot of credit, but they're making things tough on Tobias, and most importantly, they're making things tough on James Harden and Joel Embiid. James Harden shoots 5 of 17 in this game, Joel Embiid shoots 7 of 16, and this is what you can do now with this group. Because you have all this length and size out there, now you can switch. You can switch almost any action you want to. The only real mismatch you don't want is Gary Trent Jr. guarding Joel Embiid. Otherwise, the other six guys I mentioned, Pascal, OG, Precious, Chris Boucher, Thad Young, um, who am I missing here? Scottie. Like, those guys, you're okay with them as the primary defender against Joel Embiid because you are going to bring help, but you're also going to pressure up and body up on him and show him some length and, and deny him deep catches, Right. In front the post if you need to. Although fronting the post has not worked well for the Raptors, Embiid is very strong. He'll push you in front, catch the ball behind, and then just make a play at the rim. Don't advise fronting. He's a little too strong for this. But in any case, um, you can now switch a lot of these actions. There were not as many opportunities where James Harden drove down the lane and got separation and then kicked it out for threes. Sixers got 31 threes up. That's pretty good. They shoot the three extremely well. They're at 42% from three in this game. They shot 40% or better from three in all four games here. You cannot give them open threes, especially guys off their bench. I mean, Niang continues. Every time he touches the ball, he sh- it makes it. It's kind of impressive, although he's still a net negative just because defensively he's so bad. But, like, um, you, you still uh, aren't seeing... That kind of penetration, you're not seeing Tyrese get into the lane nearly as much. You're seeing James Harden contested going to the basket late in the game. He drove, you know, double block from Pascal and Precious. Really nice to see. You're seeing more rim protection there. Tobias even had to score his tough buckets. And listen, Embiid's going to get his, man. Embiid's going to get his. But listen, the Raptors did a really good job doubling him. Turns out if you double him with a bigger defender, it makes the passes even longer. It makes the passes even more risky. And Embiid loves to throw cross-court passes. And the Raptors are really good at picking those off because whether that's OG, whether that's Gary, guys are just able to run off of their turnovers. And finally, the Raptors are able to score in transition. 21 fast break points. That really supplied the offense. Because we know the half-court offense is just going to be whatever. You see a lot of missed opportunities. You see a lot of, you know, you know, ISO or whatever. But I'm okay with that. And here's the thing. The reason I'm okay with that is, number one, if the ISOs are going to Pascal Siakam, I like that you know what if Pascal isos and and tries to attack the defense and gets a turnaround jumper or gets a pull-up jumper or whatever first off you're making Embiid work which is tiring him out you know with a big man like that he's gonna have a limited amount of energy right he's gonna play really well but if you tire him out it's gonna have some things that are gonna start to break your way it's gonna turn the ball over It's not gonna run back in transition it's gonna complain the frustration you can see it right you can see it you can see the game plan there so Pascal attacking involves Embiid quite a bit defensively and the other hand Pascal takes a short shot, everyone can get back in transition. Because in the end of the game there, the Raptors' fourth quarter offense was almost all Pascal Siakam, driving, getting to the free throw line, making buckets, dishing it off to guys. Um, and meanwhile, the Raptors weren't giving up anything in transition. They were getting back, and the transition had been something for the Sixers that they had really won in the first parts of the series, but we have not seen it nearly as much in the last two games. And for the Raptors, this is just such a nice... Um, I mean, look, obviously you need to win this game. You don't want to get the season ended right now. But also at the same time, you're looking at a situation where it's like it's a proof of concept, right? In the bigger picture, are the Raptors going to win the championship this year? Extremely unlikely, right? But what do you want to see? You want to see playoff experience? You want to see how these things look in the playoffs? You want to see how your 6'9 strategy looks in the playoffs? You saw it today. The Raptors' shortest guy in the second half was Gary Trent Jr., 6'5". Everybody else was a 6'9 athlete, and you see how it is. The Sixers really struggled to find opportunities to score. And by the way, the longer the series goes, that actually favors the Raptors. And this is the only reason reason I'll say this. Obviously, it's not just like, obviously, the Raptors need to extend the series. You're already down. You already lost three games. If the series doesn't extend, you're over, right? No, I mean like as the series goes on, the attrition is going to affect Philadelphia more than Toronto. And the reason for that is, Philly only has certain number of guys. If you notice, on any given lineup for the Sixers, they can only have four guys that they trust. The reason the Sixers are up in the series is because Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, and James Harden have carried them. Danny Green, you know, I love Danny. Great dude, great podcaster. His legs are starting to go from him. Okay, he might still get hot. You listen, his nickname is Icy Hot. You can look it up. If he hits five threes and beats the Raptors the next game, you shake his hand and say congratulations, you know, Whatever, but you can tell he's older. He's going to wear down a little bit. And then you look at who the substitutes are. Niang is so bad defensively that even though he's shooting like eighty percent from three in this series, he's a negative. He doesn't defend, doesn't assist, doesn't do anything, doesn't rebound for you. And he's just a, he's just when he's on the floor, the Raptors literally go at him. Whether that's Gary goes at him, whether that's Fred goes at him, whether that's Pascal goes, OG goes at him, Scotty goes at him. Like he's just a walking. Kick me sign, okay. And then you have on their bench like you're not worried about Shake Milton that much. You're not really worried about B-ball Paul, man. A man named Basketball, like it's just come on, man. Like this is let's be serious about this. Let's find a new nickname for Paul. Um, but like you can go at the other guys. The Sixers at most can only have four guys on the floor that do well. And even when they go back to Philly, they'll have Matisse again. They a they weren't playing Matisse that much. B you can help off Matisse and 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 C like. He's also another one-way player. So at most, the Sixers can only have four uh, four two-way players on at once. If Danny's fully healthy and he's fully rested and everything like that, okay, maybe they can have five. He's their chance at five, but mostly it's four. And again, as the series goes on, you're starting to see things starting to wear down, right? Tyrese Maxey holding his wrist at various moments over the course of the game, right? Joel Embiid, obviously we know about that right thumb injury right and we saw him holding it all game literally i i was watching him very closely from warning from opening tip from literally warm-ups to, to throughout the game when he's on the bench i'm looking over at joel Embiid. he's always playing with that finger it's bothering him he's got an ice pack on it at the bench he's shaking it before every free throw he's he's just it's bothering him and he's making shots though you gotta give him a lot of credit man this guy's still making seven and nine from the free throw line the raptors <laughs> honestly raptors with healthy thumbs can't make free throws as well joel Embiid at the free throw line with a bad thumb. So you got to give him a lot of credit. He's still making mid-range jumpers. He's still beasting you a little bit down low. But as the game goes on, the series goes on, he's got the bang-up issue issue there. And quite frankly, the Raptors do have more depth. The The Sixers don't have a Thad Young to bring off the bench. Thad was amazing in this game. I know Thad hasn't had an impact on the series just yet. And it was very confusing. It was like, well, we did trade for him to come to the playoffs and then all scores got to the playoffs and wasn't there. Well, first off, he has a thumb injury, right? So he rolled his thumb in game one. He had to lead the game, didn't play in game two, and or he did play in game two but had zero impact whatsoever. In game three, he was very limited and not used. This game, he gets in the game thirty minutes, was sensational. Like, he was the Raptors' best player in the second... Well, well Pascal's the best, best player, like, all game. There's no debating this. But that was the Raptors' second-best player tonight. He was so good at diming people up. Him and Chris Boucher, finding, like, him finding him for threes, him finding him for back cuts, so good as a passer. Beating the zone... The ability to score a little bit as well, to roll, to finish, to run the break. I mean, he was doing a little bit of everything. I'm not even kidding. 13 points, five rebounds, five assists, four offensive rebounds, three steals, a block, six and nine shooting from the field. Hit a three. Only thing he didn't do was knock down some free throws. But was playing defense as well was awesome out there. The only thing with that is just he's just a, li- a little bit too old to stay with um, James Harden on the little dribble moves. J- James Harden is consistently looking for Thad and. You know, sometimes he gets by him. Most times he's trying to hit the pull-up three, and he got him to foul him on the three. Questionable foul, I'm looking at the arena. They didn't show the replay. Well, actually, they did show a replay. It didn't look like it was a foul to me, but again, maybe I'll go back and look at the film and see it more clearly there. However, I thought Thad was playing amazing, and they played really, really well. And... um you know, for the Raptors, like the rest of the team, just really gets in there and guards, man. Like it was really nice to see them, and and quite frankly, you saw less of that free flowing offense from Philadelphia. What you started to see more was like, okay, James grabs an arm, jumps up, gets to the foul line. James does this and that, whatever. But like, you know, Embiid, just they guys have to work. Like I'm watching them, and I'm like, they gotta be exhausted. Meanwhile, the Raptors are just throwing wave after wave of six nine guys at them, and that's the whole idea of this team. And it feels like it's taken forever, but I think part of it is also just like, you know, Scotty got hurt in game one, Thad got hurt in game one, and of course the Raptors weren't prepared to come out in game one. They got steamrolled. I'm not even trying to make excuses, but they got steamrolled. But you take those two guys out of the rotation, all of a sudden you can't really be as switchy and as flexible and as athletic as you want to be. Now you can be. And if there's, only, if there's any silver lining whatsoever to Fred not being available, it's the fact that you can put even more defense on the floor. You can even lean harder into the strategy. You could take Kem off the lineup because you have more guys available. And guys were doing really, really well. I mean, like, you know, the, mon- the amount of, like, and if, again, like I said, like I think the Raptors could have been even better in this game because they were actually nervous to start the game. You had Fred who, like, was getting ahead for a layup, and he literally all had to do was pick up the ball and go in for the layup, and he slipped, and the ball ran out of bounds. There was that. You got Gary missing layups. You got, like, open threes not made. You got, you know, just lots of weird opportunities where they weren't taking their chances. And, of course, they never shot the three wall at any point in the entire night, but it just kept going kept going, and the Raptors ultimately got the job done. They wore the Sixers down, and I love seeing a little bit of frustration from them. I really do because, listen, man, Sixers, when they're rolling, I know what happens, man. I know they can steamroll you. They're, they're a team. That, I mean, again, the classic example of the Philadelphia 76ers, to me, is Joel Embiid doing the airplane in Game 3 in a series that eventually lost, right? When things are going well, man, they go well for them, man. They get the crowd going, they get the crowd hype, and, of course, Game 5 is just going to be very, very difficult in Philly. There's a real chance Philadelphia just runs over the Raptors, and it's over in 5, and this whole thing looks silly, right? But there's also a chance the Raptors go in there, they got the right game plan, they start wearing these guys down, they start playing these bigger lineups, they start, you know, keep going to a Pascal, and... You know this 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 Pascal and Joel and Bead subplot is really interesting to me. They really don't like each other. They're really annoyed at each other. You can tell with them the way they're slapping each other. If you watch them in the arena, which is you know obviously a very very good experience, but one of the best parts about watching the arena is you can see everything rather than just seeing what the television shows you, right? Um, and if you watch them off ball, they're slapping each other. They're always going at each other. They're digging in each other. There was a play earlier where. You know, before that, uh, that cheap shot from Joel Embiid where he tackled Pascal, uh, which got him a technical, upon review, by the way, not, not even in the moment. Somehow that wasn't just immediately a technical. I don't know how you missed this 300-pound man charging at a guy, but whatever. At least they went to the film when they gave him a technical. Um, like two minutes before that, you know, Pascal and Embiid, uh, Pascal was switched on to Joel, and Joel was trying to, like bodying him and throwing him elbows and shoving him, and Pascal giving it right back, by the way. The two guys, and this is what I want to see. This this is what I love about playoff basketball. Guys starting to not like each other. You play each other all the time, all the physical battles, this and that. And you start to really grade on each other. And that's how you get in the scenario where you have this opportunity where you you see this kind of physical play. But listen, who do I trust as a cooler head? I I know Pascal has a cool head, man. Like, you know, he's going to keep his calm. He's going to keep attacking. And listen, I love this game from him, man. It's like, even if the series ends in five, which. You know, there's again, there's a real chance. But still, I'm just so proud of Pascal for showing this. It's a career-high 34 points. This is more points than he had in Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Remember that game where he had, like, 32 and he shot 15 of 17 against Draymond and the Raptors won Game 1 of the Finals here in Scotiabank 2019? Like, that was a really good game for Pascal. This game was even, not even better. It's, It's hard to be better than 15 of 17, but it was different and it was new, and it was something where he took what he did for, like, the entire regular season and brought it here to the playoffs and did it. And that just, like, doesn't doesn't change, it doesn't cement his career, just like, I, I don't think, game three and his, you know, him not, you know, stepping up to the spot cemented his career then, right? We have to really look at people in the larger scheme. However, what we saw from Pascal today is what we expect. And if we can get this approach, maybe you don't make the shots, maybe you don't get the same free throws, whatever. To be fair, honestly, by the way, his free throws, I know he shot 15. They're clobbering him. It's funny watching James Harden and the, the amount of times he's able to get away with slapping and reaching. And He's really good with his hands, but he's also just, like, not getting called for any of that. Tobias Harris is not getting called for any of that, Right. Only guy on the Sixers who either gets bad calls is Niang. It feels like every time the referees are like, mm, "I'm gonna swallow the whistle because, you know, it's Joel. I'm gonna swallow the whistle because it's James Harden." But next time down, I'm gonna blow for Niang. Niang's gonna take every bad call because of the fact that I can't give it to the star players. Whatever, man. Um, like Pascal's working, man, and and I respect that approach so much because he is the guy on this team. He is the guy who is going to lead the Raptors. And if the Raptors win, they need Pascal to play like this like this. And he can do it. And he can do it. And quite frankly, he's done a really good job setting guys up too. Because you can see the Sixers, they're going to adjust. They're going to make some you know, um, tweaks. And we're going to see how that's going to look like. And we're going to see Pascal have to solve another way to beat the Sixers. My prediction, the Sixers are probably going to go to zone a lot more. Because guess what? If Pascal's driving downhill, zone is going to be the best option for you to sort of make him think twice, make him see defenders on all sides, and force them to pass. And if the Raptors can't make threes, then, of course, you can see the zone beat them. However, the Raptors can prepare for that. And the Raptors can have adjustments and counters and guys can come back. And, by the way, speaking of guys coming back, I can't believe it's been this long. But Scotty Barnes came back off the bench, played 26 minutes, started the second half. Um, before the game, obviously, I was here in the building, saw Scotty come in, go through his full warm-up routine, everything like that. And of course, it was very, in, watching very intently. Like, is he going to be okay? How's he going to look physically? Moving around, all that stuff. And and they went through extensive tests. Like, I'm talking about, he you know, did his whole shooting routine, right? Um, you know, uh, short shots, form shots around the basket, shot some threes, you know, shot some mid range pull ups, you know, post moves, left block, right block, um, you know, drives on the perimeter, trying to finish through contact at the basket, like all sorts of drills, right? And then after that, he went to the side, had some like exercise machines on the on the floor there to test his ankle. You know, test worked and tested both ankles for like ten, fifteen minutes. Then he got the exercise band out, you know, with uh, Alex McKechnie and doing all the exercises, weird little lunges. And I, I, I mean, again, I, I, if I had any sort of kinesiology background, I could probably try to describe these things better than just what I'm seeing. But I'm telling you, he went through a very extensive. Training thing, and not once did I see him wince, not once did I see him hesitate. I'm sure it did, was sore for him, but he was moving fine. So I was like, okay, he's going to play in this game. And when he came out before the game, then it was announced that, uh, okay, Scotty Barnes won Rookie of the Year, which is just huge. Like, it was such a cool moment. That's probably why so many fans were being asked to come to the game early. Make sure you're in your seats by 145, so there's something at 202. And I guess I should have known, because obviously if Scottie did win Rookie of the Year, this was the time to announce it, because you can't risk the Raptors... um, you know, not having a full building to to award him with that, that trophy, right? This isn't Evan Mobley at Cleveland where I can you just send out an email and Evan can receive the trophy in the mail or whatever. Like, you know, the Raptors are actually in the playoffs partially because Scotty was so good for them now that they, he put him into this position as a rookie, which is partially and probably ma- one of the main reasons why he won Rookie of the Year. And um, so it, it was the news was broken. Then, you know, before the game, Scotty receives the award. And I got to say... I wish the, the 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 building was a little bit more full for it. Um, it, it you know, quite frankly, a two p.m. start. I get it. Saturday, you know, you just have brunch. You're coming over to the game. TTC closures, all the, whatever, man. But I just wish their building was more full for it. But it was a great moment. The crowd broke into an impromptu "Scotty, Scotty, Scotty" chant before he even got announced. Masai came over with the award, the Rookie of the Year trophy, which I didn't realize was just a, a glass basket. Like, basically, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you basically handed him a Palantir, like the little communication balls that they use in, uh, uh, in Lord of the Rings. But, yeah, anyway, it was great to see Masai come out. And, by the way, shout-out to Masai, right? The one time in his career he gets to have a top-five pick, and he literally picks the Rookie of the Year. Are you serious, right? This guy really cannot be questioned. And the vibes were good from this jump. And I thought that gave the Raptors an emotional jump. But quite frankly, like when I'm thinking about the the crowd in the arena today, it got really good towards the end. It really did, right? But it felt very much like the crowd was like, "Yo, know, I'm waiting for the Raptors to inspire us rather than we're here to inspire the Raptors. And I thought that was the opposite approach. Game three, the crowd was here to inspire the Raptors. Everyone was rallied. Everyone was here. It was a great arena in game three. I know that on the home, on the broadcast, sometimes the volume doesn't fully sound the same. This really comes down to sound mixing, and obviously people are chanting, like, FMB. Like, you can't really be playing that out loud at home. But ultimately, the crowd was awesome in game three. Tonight, a lot more lax. It was like, uh, okay, let's see if you can win, and then we'll get really excited. And that's what happened, right? But... You know, listen, um, for game six, if it gets to game six, and I really would love to see a game six, I want to see that crowd return back to what it was in game three, because that was really nice to see. But ultimately, look, listen, I get it from the fans' perspective, too. Like, damn, I, (laughs) I just came here, and I just invested all that time, and I saw Joel Embiid hit a three in overtime while James Harden was fouled out, and you guys couldn't close that game out, and Pascal was nowhere to be found, and Fred was not nowhere to be found, and you know, like it was like pressures at the free throw line for the, for the win and you missed those. Like I get, I get why fans would be like, ah, I'm a little nervous, I'm a little hurt, I need to see something. You saw something. I mean, you saw something in game three, to be fair, but they didn't close the deal, I understand. But they saw something here today. And listen, if the Raptors can get this here back for game six, I'm just telling you, I know no team has come back from 3-0. And listen, this whole thing could be done in five, in five games. If they come here for game six... Raptors gonna roll over the Sixers. I'm telling you, man. You punch this team. This 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 is a bully type of team. You punch them in the nose like that. You see how they respond. Are they gonna punch you back? Are they gonna how are they gonna respond? Is their coaching gonna be like that? Are their supporting players gonna get like that? Because what I'm seeing over the course of the series, Raptors get building in energy, building momentum. And quite frankly, you know when you're have no margin for error of course you could drop a game at any time but i'm proud of the way the team played and shout out to gary train jr the scoring was very big obviously two-man game with him and pascal towards the end there produced a little bit of offense um pascal obviously was the primary creator but you know there there's something there and you know uh it's just just good team basketball all the way around and quite frankly if you can get scotty to come back and actually play like himself so today he was clearly limited, right? Even watching him warm ups and stuff, he was missing tons of shots. I think he was real rusty. Probably couldn't practice all that much. Um, but you know, he only had six points on one of six shooting. Got to the free throw line a few times. Had an and one, which was only his basket of the game in the third quarter there to keep the Sixers at bay. Was rebounding the the, uh, the ball really well. Eleven rebounds. That really helps. Obviously, Scotty can chip in in so many areas. Didn't have a turnover either, despite being the main ball handler. But. Ultimately, this is not a good Scotty game. Like, I'm not trying to gas up uh, six points and 11 rebounds. Like, come on, that's an Evan Mobley stat line. But like, um, you know, when Scotty builds in confidence, when he shakes off some rust uh, and can actually get used to playing on that ankle, and I'm sure, obviously, playing on it today is going to be sore. But then tomorrow, you know, you never know. He's a guy's 20 years old. He's an athletic marvel. The Raptors have the best medical trainers you can possibly give anybody. You know. Um, he probably is going to start to feel a little bit better. And you get a little more from Scotty. You get OG back to where he at, he's supposed to be at, right, today. 3 of 13 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3, forcing a little bit on the offensive end, uh, missing some open threes as well. You get those things back. You stay big. Obviously, you know, look, listen, with Fred not being available, not being this and that, like, there are ways you can work around that. Did we not see at the end of the season what the way the Raptors operated where well, they beat Philly twice without Fred? Right, And, of course, Fred has also beaten Philly without you know, some of their Raptors top guys, like without Pascal. But, listen, you can manage that. And if you play big and you, you force the Sixers into a stagnant offense, you switch everything, that's the whole idea of this team. And they did a really, really good job with that. That's why they won this game. And I'm just curious to see what uh, the Sixers' response will be. I think they're going to try to act cool. They're going to try to act like we're unbothered. But we also saw what happened at the end of the game there. We saw what happened in the, the game there were they were they bothered they were bothered right so um just keep bothering them you know what're you're, you're down you're underdogs, everything like that, but you got to keep keep going man just keep going you know what and and you know if, if anything else if the raptors even losing game one, I want them to be the most annoying team to close out because that's what I saw today I saw them being annoying, and I saw the sixers annoyed so uh, in, our, in terms of your three stars, I'm going to give Pascal the first star. Clearly, 34 points, eight rebounds, five assists, a steal, two blocks, 10 of 19 from the field, a three, 13 of 15 from the free throw line. Best player in this game. Best player in this game. And I would say Embiid is definitely a better player overall than Pascal. But Pascal was good enough that he's capable of being the best player in any given game, even in a playoff setting, even with the pressures on him. And I need to see that again. Now, I, again, I'm going to caution you. The Sixers are probably going to make some adjustments, probably zone a little bit more, probably play Niang a little bit less, you know, whatever, probably switch a different couple of different lineups or whatever, but, and, and Pascal might not have the same game. But don't be fickle about this. You saw him do it. You know he can do it again. And it's just about how the Raptors going to do that, and the Raptors got to be prepared for that too, because other guys going to have to adjust. But listen, if the rest of the guys hit threes around Pascal, he probably wouldn't have to score this much. But he needed to, to close this. Uh, he needed to uh, step up for the Raptors today, and he absolutely did that. Second start today is going to go to Thad Young. Thirteen points, five rebounds, five assists, three steals, a block, six and nine shooting. Which, by the way, I can't uh, remember forgetting this. Thad Young put Joel Embiid on his ass. First half, Thad Young second quarter. Joel Embiid's closing out to him, Thad, face three, crosses over, steps back, and, and Embiid literally falls over on all fours on that little you know finger that definitely is not feeling 100% for him, even though he continues to fall 86 times a game. Might be why the finger's not feeling good. Um, and Thad drained the jumper over him, and it was legitimately one of those moments where it was like, ooh, oh, kind of moments in the crowd. like People went nuts for that one, and, and rightfully so. What a play. But Thad Young showing exactly why the Raptors brought him in. It's just too bad that they haven't had him at 100%, but this is what he's capable of. And the connector that he played on offense, the the passes that he was making, the plays that he was making, running the breaks, some of that. Defensively, he works really hard. I would still say that he is one of the weak spots for the Raptors to, um, to try to shield against because of the fact that um, Embiid and Harden are looking for him, but... He's still quite good as a defender as well, and he played awesome tonight. This is exactly why you bring in a guy like that, Young. And then your third star, I'm going to give it to Gary Trent Jr., 24 points. You know, the Raptors needed the scoring boost. You know, he was getting on transition. That helped his efficiency quite a bit. Knocked down a couple threes as well. But just overall played a really good game, two-way. I think his defense on Maxi in the second half was really solid, really strong. And, again, the Raptors just need that extra bit of scoring because if there's one thing the Raptors don't fully have is a guy who can get buckets for you. The closest they have to that is Gary Trent Jr., who can get you a bucket out of nothing. But, ultimately, if he plays within the team game and he plays some defense, that's when he's most effective, and today that's what he did. So, in terms of your Gerald Hennison Award winner, it's going to go to Tobias Harris. Man, to, I mean, again, 15-11 with two assists to steal two blocks. And he had five fouls. and he had three turnovers. I only shot one of three from uh, one of four from three, but I just—I don't know. Watching him, it just felt like the Raptors had him under control so many times, and then he would just like use his strength, muscle pass, and score. And um, you got to give him a lot of credit, man. He—he he played really tough. And if Tobias continues to play like this all series, then the Raptors really have real issues because you know he's been great. And one of the reasons why people were down on the Sixers, including myself, was that I've seen a lot of Sixers games with Tobias against the Raptors. He hasn't done this. But he's really stepping up, and his defense on Pascal is really good. Even though Pascal torched him, still really, really good defense. Sometimes all you can do is make it difficult for star players. They're still going to score. And for Tobias, though, i got to give him a lot of credit, man. He played really well. So that does it for the podcast. Thanks for so for listening. As always, you can find all episodes of the Raptors Reaction Podcast uh, wherever you listen to the podcast. Just search for The Raptors Show with Will Liu and you'll find it there. And when you do, rate, review, subscribe. I'm going to be back on Monday with a two-hour show with Alex Wong in studio. And uh, you can look for that on YouTube, on Sportsnet 360, and, of course, on Sportsnet 590, the fans. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Once again, the Raptors are not swept. They force a game five, and the goal now is to force a game six. See you then.